I use my shape here at our church by being part of the production team. I am the lighting director here at our church and I produce the services on Sundays. I come here during the week to perform that service and I'm a volunteer, love my position here. And what I also do is I am part of a life group where I connect with other women on a weekly basis, sometimes bi-weekly. We're totally enjoy ourselves and you should come and see. I discovered my shape by discovering what I was not shaped to do. Um, I was asked years ago when I first started coming to the church, I wanted to get involved. I didn't know what to do. I was one of those people that thought, I can't do that. I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not equipped to do this. And all of a sudden I said, well, what can I do? And they said, well, can you change diapers? And I thought, well, I think I can do that. So I started in the kids room. And then slowly but surely, I went from the infants to the other rooms. And, you know, I was doing it, but I wasn't loving doing it. And it got to a point where on the Sundays where I was scheduled to work, uh, to serve, I really called it work. <laughs> and I realized that was just not what I was meant to do. I had a very difficult time wanting to talk about it. I felt very, very guilty. And I decided to just one day go ahead and say it. And then all of a sudden we found a better position for me. And now it does not feel like work when I come and do this. As a matter of fact, I look forward to coming in to serve. You would think that one that has to be here four or five hours on a Sunday, it would be like work, but it's not. It's absolutely something I adore doing. And had I not, not liked what I was doing before, I wouldn't even have known this. This was not at all something on my spectrum that I could possibly even be qualified to do. Knowing my shape has changed our entire family. This has become a family affair. We come here on Sundays, all four of us. Uh, my husband now helps me produce the services. He does the lights. My son, on a couple of occasions, has helped me up here because my husband wasn't available. And since then, now he knows how to run the service as well and knows how to, which button to press at which time. We have our cues all organized. So now he starts helping in the um, Ignite service. My daughter helps with the kids area and back there. So we just come on a Sunday morning and this is our morning. That's or day out. I suggest that you all start taking that assessment online because if I had done that, I would have saved myself a whole lot of heartache. Um, I suggest that you do that. You, Whenever you choose, when you find what is good for you, it will not feel like work. You're going to love coming and doing it every week. Well, isn't that awesome? That was a great, great spotlight of uh, Chantal and somebody who, um, you know, found out what she wasn't good at, what her shape wasn't, but she found her shape, jumped in, and got involved. And uh, I loved uh, many of the things that she said there and uh, very thankful for her. Chantal and her family who serve in and out every week. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here. So excited that uh, you are here with us today. And we've got a good day planned, an interesting day planned. You know, one of the things that she said there at the end, um, she encouraged you. I don't know if you, you heard that or, or, you know, if you kind of recognize those words. She encouraged you to go take the shape assessment. And uh, we got the shape assessment. It became live online last week, last Sunday. And uh, I, you know, I encouraged our church, I encouraged you all to go online and take that shape assessment 
spiritual gifts, find your spiritual gifts, your heart or passion, uh, abilities, uh, personality or personal style and experience. And so I challenge you to go online. It's really easy. It took me, you know, about 20 minutes, which means it'll probably take most of you about 10. And I encourage you to go online and do that. 400 people, I encourage to do that. And so I'm really an inspirational communicator. It's evident because we've had a total, grand total up to this point of 11 people who have taken the shape assessment. So yeah, well done anyway, both of us on both sides. Uh, and you know what's even worse is that five of those are staff members. So anyway, so I'm doing a great job of really inspiring you to go online and take it. So the, the six of you who took it, who are here today, thank you. Gold star, way to go. You passed, okay? So anyway, uh, the rest of you, go take that shape assessment. I want to encourage you to do that. You've heard about this for a few weeks, and it is so amazing what God can do in your life um, when you find the place that fits you best and how God has uniquely designed you. And so we come to week four uh, this week in this series called Get Your Shape On. And today is going to be a bit different. Number one, I'm going to speak uh, for, for a shorter period of time, okay? And you're all like, yes, I'm so glad I came to church today. Um, the second thing, and that's fine, I get that. Second thing is, is um, the reason I'm doing that is because behind me in backstage, which is our student room, um, we have a shape showcase that's going on there. And we have a lot of our different ministries that are represented uh, back there for you to go find. Some of you know your shape and um, you already know how you're gifted and you know the ministry that you need to be involved in. You just need to jump in and, and get involved. And so today's the day for you to do that. And so after I'm done here uh, in, in just a few minutes, I mean, I, I won't speak any more than, than an hour today, okay? I, I'm, that's a joke. Um, that, my kids would have laughed at that if they had been here. But um, in just a few minutes, I'll let you guys go back there and take a look because it's amazing um, the different ministry opportunities um, that we have for you. It's really a, a neat thing. Um, our staff worked hard on this, particularly Wendy Sanders, who she's going to kill me for doing this, but she's in the room. She's right over here. Wendy, thank you so much. And Cynthia, for y'all's work on the Shape Showcase. We are going to have this this Sunday and next Sunday. And so I uh, want to encourage you guys to take the opportunity to go back there and find, where you, uh, find a place that you can get involved. The other thing that we have is life groups. And I was really excited because our life groups and Bible studies, which you're going to hear about in a moment, um, they, a lot of them got filled up. Uh, in the first service. So, uh, you know, I want to encourage you, go back there and find a place to get involved in using your shape to serve, but also find a place where you can grow in your faith walk. And we'll talk about that um, in a few minutes. The other thing that I wanted to mention is it's so important for you to take that shape assessment, even if you already know all those different things, spiritual gifts, heart, ability, uh, personality, and experience. Even if you know that in your life, um, we want to know that. And when you take that test, it automatically like goes into our database and populates our database with the, the answers that you give. And it helps Todd Cooper's right down here, our student pastor. It helps myself. It helps Cynthia. It helps all of us um, to be able to um, help you find 
a place for ministry. And so go back there. We've got students. We've got summer um, heading up our island kids area. And um, we've got a bunch of different things. We also have um, a prison ministry that um, many of you are getting involved with. And um, so it's a fantastic ministry, um, Kiros, that we are going to be a part of moving forward. Um, you can see our global uh, partners. And next week, I think we have another local partner that's going to be with us. It's very exciting. So I want to encourage you to go check that out. And as Chantal said, it's a great way to find how you're shaped and so that you don't be a square peg in a round hole um, in terms of your ministry effort. And so that's our focus. Now, in week one, the, the thing that I began with as a, as a foundational principle, I'm going to be going a little bit deeper into today. And it's this whole concept of the fact that you and I cannot be committed to just serving and just growing. Um, the, we are designed and we are made up where we have to be doing both. We have to be involved in a, uh, an, an environment where we're going to grow in our faith walk. And we also have to, we're designed to be able to um, spread or, or I guess bear that fruit in a way that allows us to serve. And so I talked about two tracks in week one, and we're going to kind of come back to that theme because we focused a lot on shape and serving here over these past few weeks. But I want to come back to that theme because it is vitally important that you and I um, exercise the shape that God has given us, that we have both wheels on both tracks, both serving and growing. We, we need to find a place where we can grow in our faith, but we also need to find that place where uh, we can serve and that we can give of ourselves into an area. And without both of those, I think we find our place in a, in a pretty tough spot in our spiritual lives. I w when I was in high school, I played soccer and I also played uh, a, a little bit of golf. I played a lot of golf. I've been playing golf since I was about three years old. You would never know it if you watched me play golf, but I have. And um, I've been playing golf and soccer. And soccer was something that was a little bit later in my life. Um, it was something that I started playing in about eighth grade. And all of my buddies had been playing it a lot earlier than that. And this was just something because they were playing it. I wanted to play it. I'm short, so I wasn't going to be good at basketball or volleyball, probably. And um, my mom didn't want me to play football, and my high school didn't have a football team. Uh, baseball, just like I love baseball, but like sometimes I get a little bored and ADD, and so I just didn't think that would really fit me too well. So I decided to play soccer. And um, in ninth grade, I made the varsity team along with two other uh, friends of mine, but not because I was good. I was never really that good. I was just like like if you're not good at soccer, but you're fast and you're kind of aggressive, you get to play defense. They never let you play offense. And so I played defense and I was a pretty good defender. All they told me was just don't right there, that goal, just keep it out of there. Just like, don't let it even get to the goalie. And I was pretty decent at that, except for one own goal I had my senior year that stunk. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. Uh, my junior year, I was playing up in North Georgia at a boarding school and college prep school called Rabin Gap. And it was in the fall and it was cold that day. It was really cold. It was in November. And um, it was about 35 degrees when we started playing. And throughout the day, it got colder and colder. And even as we left, it was snowing a little bit that day as we left to go back to Atlanta. And so we were up there and we were playing. And um, this is a school that most of the, most of the kids that um, go to this school, it's a boarding school, it's an international boarding school. So most of them were um, not born in the United States of America. And all of my team was born in the United States of America. 
So if you know anything about soccer, it's an international sport, they had a huge advantage over us. And they were really good because they were born with a soccer ball on their foot and they've played it since they were like, you know, infants. And uh, this was one of our toughest games every year, year in, out, uh, year in and year out. And one year we would go up there and the next year they would go come down to Atlanta about a two hour drive. So we were up there and we were playing and it was like towards the end of the game and I was backpedaling and a guy took a shot and it grazed my thumb just a little bit. Now, for those of you who don't know soccer, you, you know you're not supposed to touch it with your hands, right? That's kind of the whole point of the game. It's a football game. That's, where they, that's what they call it in all of the other countries. And I didn't realize it at the time. I knew at the time that my wrist hurt, but I didn't realize at the time what had happened um, until the end of the game and my wrist was swollen. My hand and thumb were swollen, and I had to ride back those two hours with my hands stuck down in a, a cooler of ice water. And uh, we got home, and the next day found out that I had broken a bone. And so my doctor said, this is a bone that doesn't easily heal. So, you know, we're just going to watch this. We're going to put you in a cast and see if that works. Well, I'd spent uh, three months in a cast and it didn't work. And so they did some other things. Then they decided that the best thing to do would be to have surgery and put a pin in my wrist, have a, uh, a bone graft from my hip. And so they did that. And so I went through that surgery and it was fine. Got out and I spent another three months with a cast on my hand. So I spent most of my junior year with a cast on my right hand and I'm right-handed. So that was a lot of fun. I had a, I had a guy that actually filled in my test for me on the um, SATs that year because I couldn't write at the time because they were doing some stuff to my hand. So that that was really interesting. Like, I'm trying to, like, get him, you know, hey, man, help me out here. I don't know the answer. He's like, I'm not helping you out. That's called cheating. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It is. So don't do that. Never mind. So anyway, and he was a lot smarter than I. But anyway, I had this cast on my hand, and I remember in the spring of my junior year, the doctor took a saw and cut that off and opened it up, and I hadn't seen my arm for, like, six months almost, and it was ugly. It was nasty. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, I already have like scrawny arms anyway, but it was like, it was so skinny. It was like, looked weird. You know, it, like this arm looked like a normal, like, you know, teenager's arm. And this one looked like I was five years old. And I'm like, doc, what happened here? And he goes, didn't you learn about atrophy in science? And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't think it would happen to me. And he said, yeah, when you're in a cast that long, the muscles start just disintegrating. And your arm looks like that. And it's going to take a while for you to build up those muscles. I'm like, man, that is awful. And some of you have experienced that where maybe you've had something, um, a cast or something like that where it's atrophied. And I've got to tell you, I want to tell you this, church. Um, that is a picture of our spiritual lives when you and I aren't committed to our journey with Christ we will atrophy in terms of our spiritual life because just like uh, physical, um, like complete inertia, just like your physical body's being at rest all the time, eventually you will lose muscle mass and eventually you will begin to decay and atrophy. The same thing is true with our spiritual lives. Like the more time that we go in our lives without spending time in God's word and the more time that we go in our lives without having conversation with him, um, we will begin to atrophy. Our spiritual lives will begin to shrink. 
and we will begin to shrivel up. It's why it's so important for you and I to spend time um, studying God's word. Timothy says that this word is um, inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction, training in righteousness. This is his living, breathing word. And so if you're here today and you're a Christ follower and, and you're not in his word, eventually you will get to the point where you're just going to shrivel up in terms of your faith walk. And part of us exercising our faith walk is being involved with other people. Part of us finding out our shape is being able to exercise even that with other Christ followers and doing it in a way that I'm um, doing it in an environment and in a way that's effective, that exercises it to, to the degree that like we actually know what we're doing with our spiritual gifts and our heart, passion, ability. Um, with our personality and with our experience. And, and the Bible has a lot to say about that. So I'm going to have you turn to Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 if you have your Bibles. The, the words will be on the screens if you don't. But um, we're going to begin in Acts chapter 2. This is a passage that at some point in time each year I, I, I give a message on because this passage is such a pivotal passage in, in the church history, in the history of Christianity in the world. This passage is so incredibly key. Next month, we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about Pentecost, which happened in Acts chapter 1 and 2 there. That's kind of the, the time that that happened. And Luke, the, the guy who wrote the gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is continuing essentially his writing in this book of Acts. And he's writing about that first church. And the passage we're about, passage we're about ready to read is this moment in time when the first church kind of comes together and gels together. A lot of you may already know this passage. We're going to take a look at it, and then we're going to skip over to Hebrews and take a look at that. I want you to hear this. They devoted, he's talking about the Christ followers here. They devoted themselves. That means that they were committed. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. In fact, they sold their property, verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone as he had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And look at verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number, what's that next word? Daily. Those who are being saved. I love this passage. This is the first church coming together. This is it right here. This is our heritage, y'all. This is where we have come from. And I, I want to kind of just draw out, we're not going to do an in-depth study of this, but um, there was teaching, there was discipleship, there was sharing of possessions, there, there was food. <laughs> Three times it's mentioned. Even the early church in the first century understood that if you want to get a crowd together, what do you have? Food. I mean, let's face it, that's a reality, isn't it? And in fact, I don't want to miss that. That's an important point. Um, because in the Jewish culture, everything revolves around the dinner table. In fact, the day starts in the evening. The day starts 
at dinner time. I think I heard somebody say, yes, that's awesome. Like that's when the day begins. That doesn't mean you sleep until dinner, by the way. I just want you to know that whoever said that. But anyway, like the day began, the whole concept was that the Jewish people understood that the day began around community. The day began, they would sit there and have dinner and they would share stories of God's grace and love in their lives. And that was what they started with. So in their, in their minds and in, in their hearts and in their lives, they began with this concept of sharing what God was doing in their midst. Don't you love that? There's a pastor out in Texas that um, encouraged his church and really kind of got them to uh, think of their day differently, to think of not the morning as the time you start the day, but the evening, because that's the best part of the day. When you're around food, right? People you love, the word of God, studying the word of God. And we've really made it a point in our home over the last year to have more dinner together. And Monday night is family night where the four of us get together. And then uh, we usually do that at some point in time throughout the week again. And then we end up doing it at least once um, on the weekend. And man, it has become such a great thing for our family, man. We're just really gelling together, really seeing unity. And, and Cynthia and I, my wife and I, just laughing at our kids and the things they say. It's awesome. And then we ask them the question, where did you see God today? Where did you see God at work today? And it's awesome to hear their response. It's awesome to hear what they talk about. And often it is funny. Prayer was a key part of that. This was a group of people that understood that um, they needed to meet together on a regular basis for prayer and Bible study and sharing what God was doing and sharing possessions, helping each other out when there was a need. They understood the whole concept of community and that your shape is really exercised best when you're in community. Now, let's face it, that's hard to do in the few minutes that you see someone on Sunday morning, right? Like you're in here and you're out and, you know, as much as we can try to like um, have some time where people can hang around and I encourage that. I want you to hang around as much as possible with coffee and I try to not teach too long so that you can have some time to do that. This is not the best environment to do that. It really happens in a small group environment, but that's what they did back then. D did you catch that? They um, they attended temple together, 46. That would have been, verse 46, that would have been where the larger group would have come together like this on Sunday morning. It didn't look like this, but that's what it was. Like it was a lot of people coming together in the temple courts. But then what does it say? They went from the temple courts into their what? Say it. You can say it. Where did they go from there? Into their where? Homes. They went and met in their homes. They had large group gatherings, but they also had small group gatherings. And so I want you to get the picture that um, what we are about when we are in this large group setting and then in a smaller group setting is something that is a heritage from 2,000 years ago that, that we are continuing. This isn't like the whole small group movement in America in church work is not something new. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that like think that, you know, because they have small groups in their church, they're doing something new. It's, that's not really true. This has been going on since the first century. But in reality, it's been going on a lot longer than that because God's people, the Jewish people in the Old Testament did the same thing. And God himself, the very nature of God himself being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a God whose very nature and character is three in one, community. 
And so you and I can, we can exercise our shape best when you and I are in community, just like the first church did, just like those first group of Christ followers did, being in community, eating together, praying together, studying the word of God together. They enjoyed each other. And so I wanted you to see that we are part of something that's gone on since the beginning of the church. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 10. If that is what they did, this is how they did it. In Hebrews chapter 10, it's a book that was written to the new Jewish Christians there in Jerusalem, and it was written to encourage them in their faith walk. And this is what the writer says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. He says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love, and good deeds. And he says this, not giving up or neglecting the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. If we understand that the first Christians met together in large group and in small group, that's the what, this is the how. And there are three things that I want to kind of point out that the author points out that he wants to emphasize here. The first of them is um, to spur one another on, or your version may say, stir it up, stir up. That comes from a Hebrew word, uh, excuse me, a Greek word. No, actually a Hebrew word in this case that literally would have meant provoke. Isn't that interesting? Provoke. That doesn't sound very good, does it to you? Provoke. It doesn't mean encourage. I remember working at a place, um, a parachurch ministry where um, our boss, our, the guy that was kind of in charge of this group of people that I worked for, he loved this verse, and he, he always went around, and we got to stir it up, we got to stir it up, we got to stir it up. And he put a big sign on the wall that said, stir it up, Hebrews 10, 24. But I don't think he realized that the word means provoke, and it literally means to kind of like poke with a stick. But you know, that's what this passage says. It essentially says, let's provoke our shape Let's provoke how God made us. Let's exercise that with each other. Let's work on this. Let's keep each other accountable for this. Let's call each other out when we're not exercising this. Let's do that together. Let us consider how to stir it up or to spur one another on. It's not just negative. It can also be positive, a little pat on the back and an encouragement. To love and good works, two things there he mentions. First of all, love is the agape kind of love, not the eros kind of love or romantic love, not the phileo kind of love or the brotherly love. This is a God love. Like the author wants us as Christ followers to provoke us, to stir us up in our shape so that we can love each other better in God's way of loving each other and for good works. The word works in the original language there, you know what it means? It actually it kind of um, lends itself towards meaning like purpose in life, like mission. Not just task, but like obligation because we're so committed. And, and so there's this concept that he wants us to stir it up or provoke our shape or exercise our shape with each other uh, to love each other and to be able to do good works. And so that's what we are supposed to do. He also says this, the second thing is a negative. He says, stop neglecting. That, that word neglecting literally means to pass by or to give up. Stop neglecting the habit of not meeting together. Man, it's so important for you to be in church 
wherever you live, if you don't live here. Um, if you live somewhere else, man, be in church each week. If you're on vacation and you're in church today, you're probably in your church every week, so that's a good thing. So be in church. Don't neglect the meeting together of other Christ followers. And then the last thing that he says is encourage one another. He says that we're supposed to encourage one another. And that word literally means to come alongside of and to support. And so the writer here is essentially saying that God has shaped us for a purpose, for good works in a way, but we are supposed to meet together on a regular basis to exercise that shape, to provoke it, to spur each other on so that we do good works. Listen, what he is essentially saying, what both of those passages are saying, what the whole message of God's word to us is, is that you and I as Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower in here, we need community. We need vital, authentic, life-giving, abundant community where we can be encouraged and kept accountable in our faith walk. You see why it's so important for us to, to be able to be committed to serving, but also to be committed to growing in our faith walk. It's so important that we understand that. If we don't, if we find ourselves isolated, it leads to spiritual death. When we find ourselves isolated, it leads to spiritual death. Even those of you who are in here today, I'm kind of like an extrovert one day and an introvert the next. I guess it's split personality. But um, some of you are extroverts and you're like, hey, there's no problem for me. I like this. It's cool. Like I love a crowd and I love a small, medium, large size crowd. I don't care. As long as there's people there, I'm good with it. And then some of you are introverts you cannot stand crowd. Like Disney is like, you know, like, you know, it's just not happening for you. You can't stand going to Disney World or Six Flags because there's so many people. And you're an introvert. My mom was that way. But even if you're an introvert, God still created you for community. He still created you to do life with other people and to share life with other people. And isolation, spiritual isolation leads to spiritual death. A few years ago, I read an article. This was uh, published in, uh, in the UK, and I read this article, and I'm going to read just a, a portion of it. They were talking about the negative physical effects of isolation on our body. And, and this is how the ed- article read. People who are socially isolated are more likely to die prematurely, regardless of their underlying health issues. According to a study of the elderly British population, The findings, it was published uh, online back on a Monday in 2013, in the the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences showed that when mental and physical health conditions were factored out, when they were put on on the side, the lack of social contact uh, continued to lead to an early death among 6,500 men and women. That's not a small sample. 6,500 men and women tracked over a seven-year period of time. So it was a large sample, and it was tracked over a seven-year period of time, meaning it was, a, it was a decent study. And the guy who wrote this article says, they're dying of the uh, usual cases, but isolation has an incredibly strong influence. 
Andrew Steptoe said, he was a doctor at the University College of London, the study also appeared to diminish the role that subjective feelings of loneliness as opposed to the lack of social contact may have had on a person's lifespan. Both led to higher mortality risks, the study noted, but the effect of feeling lonely diminished once the demographic and health factors are taken into account, meaning that isolation actually can lead to physical death. And it, the same thing is true spiritually. You see, when you and I don't focus on our relationship with God, it can lead to spiritual atrophy. Spiritual neglect leads to spiritual atrophy, but spiritual isolation can lead to an early death. And I don't mean physical death, but I mean your, your spiritual life is dead because you haven't taken opportunity to exercise your shape, your unique gifting that God has given you. And so our bottom line this morning is this. Let's say it positively this morning as we bring things to a close. Your shape is most powerful when you are in regular community with other Christ followers growing and serving together. Your shape the way that God has made you, your unique shape, is most powerful when you're in regular community together with other Christ followers growing and serving together. One of the big things that we want to do in our, in our life groups and, and Bible studies is serve. We want to care for each other. Do you realize that if you're a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church over the course of any lengthy period of time, that at some point in time in your life, you're going to have at least a minor crisis in your life. And you're going to want to know and be cared for a group of people. There's a shepherding aspect there. You're going to want to know and, and be cared for by a group of people who know you even better than I do or Todd Cooper or Summer or Cynthia. Sometimes we don't find out about a crisis that's happened in a person, person's life in, in the life of this church because they're not tied into a group. They're not in a life group or a Bible study. And so my, my encouragement to you, my action step to you today is to find a place to get in, involved. It's our action step. Find a group where you can grow and serve. That's it. Where you can grow and serve. Find that place. We've got a bunch of them. We've got all kinds, men's and women's and couples, uh, uh, various groups that kind of are a mix, a blend of those, Bible studies. And then for the first time in the life of our church, Todd Cooper, our, our student pastor, um, and Summer Dempster are, are, are encouraging and, and focusing on small groups as well. I mean, for the first time, we've got this from, as my dad used to say, old Navy guy, stem to stern. Like that's what we've got now. We've got groups for all ages. We've got, um, we're going to end up with 20 adult life groups in, in the life of this church here this fall. That's a place for most of you. That means there's a place for most of you. And so here's what I'm saying. Without trying to lay a guilt trip, without trying to, like, you know, be acute or whatever, um, I, I really mean this with sincerity. It may not come across that way. That's a pastor's job sometimes, by the way. Um, it, like, we have done our job. The leaders that have felt God's call on their life to lead a group, they've done their job. We've equipped them. We had our leadership training session yesterday. It was awesome. We had 14 adult uh, groups represented there and probably most of the 10 that Cooper's got and most of the 10 that Summer's got. We have done our part by equipping us and ourselves. You know who's 
part it is to jump in and get involved now? Your part. Now it's your job to jump in, to find a place, not only where you can serve, but also where you can grow in your faith walk. Join in, be a part, church, join with me. I'm in one as well. Cynthia's in one as well. Every staff member that we have, we are all involved in some kind of group life here at this church. We're all involved in serving ourselves. Join with us and get involved. Don't miss today. Don't miss next Sunday. And listen, we're not like going to lock the doors or anything, okay? We're not like that crazy. But as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to give just a quick announcement, and then we're going to send you guys through the doors right over there. Some of you can't even see it. There's a door right over there. Go in there and check it out. The worst case scenario, there's food back there. So have a bagel. Like, you know, I mean, take advantage of that. Why not, right? Um, and, you, <laughs> and you can go around. There's a tent out there. We put the tent on that side this time. Go in there. Talk to some of our folks. Find a place where you can grow Find a place where you can serve. Get involved in the life of Hilton Head Island Community Church. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your encouragement um, and even correction sometimes um, to get involved. And God, to be a part of what you're doing in our church community. And Father God, I pray that you would spur and, and challenge those who are in this room to not let another day or week or month or fall go by without finding a place to serve and finding a place to grow. God, may you raise up a whole army of people that will reach this unchurched community for you. And God, may you receive all the honor and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Okay, two things just real quick. Number one, if you have a child in Island Kid, please do us the favor of go getting that child before you go to backstage. Okay, that'll just help our volunteers who are already serving back there. But I also want to encourage you to give. Those of you who are part of the Hilton Head Island Community Church family, You can do that online. You can do it with your app. Back at the guest service desk is a place where you can give. You can give on your way out today. Please don't miss that, okay? Why don't you stand up this morning? Thank you so much for being here. Go find a place to serve and grow, and I'll see you next Sunday, everyone.